Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. Welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Hands down, best moment of any of these three episodes is episode eight when, you know, Chris is trying to connect more with Kendall and Kylie and spend time with them. And she says, so you guys really like Justin Bieber, right? And you just see the pure embarrassment on Kendall and Kylie's faces. Took me out. Cannot believe we get that footage. I am so obsessed with them bringing up another celebrity that is so clearly at the time out of their orbit only to fast forward a couple of years and they would be such a constant in their lives. But forget about current day where, of course, you know, Kendall and Justin and the entire family and Justin are so close, specifically Kendall, because of how close she is with Haley. But that was in 2011. And at the time, even just the mention of Justin Bieber's name was a huge deal. Four years later, 2015, when Kendall and Justin do that Vogue shoot together, that's when the initial relationship rumors start swirling. You know, whereas now... They're so embarrassed that Chris is even mentioning his name on their reality show. Like it is unbelievable the progression in those four years. It has the same energy to me as when Kendall did that Sharpie ad and made it like a One Direction poster. And then fast forward, she obviously ends up dating Harry Styles. And then fast forward after that, when Harry's hosting that episode of Corden that she's on, he brings that up to her. We have to, after we finish recording this, rewatch that. I know we do it like what once every other month. I think that now is the time for the rewatch of of that episode of Corden because it is still one of my favorite clips. And it's still one of our most referenced clips. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing though. And we always talk about this, you know, where are they at in their fame? And it's hard for us to kind of know, re-watching it. It's hard to try to reorient yourself to where you were then. But clearly they were on the brink of it, but they weren't there yet because they were still themselves pretty starstruck. Well, it's really interesting watching the show in these older episodes. And I'm not sure if this is something that was done consciously, but something that I noticed is that when they bring these people 
like these celebrities into their orbit and they mention their names, they do a seemingly, if it's intentional, good job of making it seem like they're so out of their world. Like Justin Bieber is so out of Kendall's world. J-Lo is so out of Kim's world that you almost forget the way that they were brought up. I mean, at this time, Kylie and Kendall are at Sierra Canyon. Like they are amongst celebrity children at their school at this time. Kim in, you know, one of the three episodes that we end up talking about is going through that incident where she gets kicked off the stage at the Prince concert after Prince brings her on. And it seems so random that Prince would have brought her on stage until later in the episode, she has lunch with Prince's ex-wife and says that they've been friends since they were 19 years old. And so it, it creates this illusion that they're just this random family whose fame you're growing with. Meanwhile, they've really been in it since day one. No, I'm sorry. It is a wonderful point that you just made and I want to discuss it, but I need to pause for a second to go back to the Prince thing, which we will get into. That changed me. That entire situation, I fully forgot about it. If for some reason you're listening to this and you're not watching along with us, you need to watch just episode nine to see that version of Kim because it is a version of Kim that we have not seen in years. It's like, I'm telling you, know how we have that list on our, okay, side note for everyone listening, we have a list on our phone of like things that have stuck, meaning things that one of us has said in conversation, something my dad has said in conversation that then sticks with us and like it's a joke we incorporate into our daily lives. I am telling you, Kim post getting kicked off the stage with Prince energy is going to be something that's going to stick in our lives. Yes. Yes. It's so specific. And you know what it makes me realize? Like, The Kim that got kicked off stage with Prince, the Kim that was so afraid to dance at the Armenian restaurant that they had been going to since the time that they were born is not the same Kim that we know today. The confidence level is, it's incomparable. However, it's still a big deal when Kim dances in one of North's TikToks because we know how much she hates it and she knows it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, listen, there are things about a person that just stick, you know, dancing is not her thing. It's never going to be her thing. And so that's still within her, but just in general, the way that she carries herself and it really is. I mean, if I had to choose one word to describe the difference, it would be confidence. And, and again, and we'll get into this later on, the feeling as though she doesn't have anything to prove. It changes things. But to your earlier point, I don't think that it's an illusion that they're trying to set in terms of feeling as though they themselves are starstruck. I think that they were because, you know, at this time, yes, they had some family friend connections and people that they had known for forever, but also they weren't taken that seriously by the industry. They still were very much viewed as these, quote, reality stars that were, I think, in some ways desperate for fame. And they were very aware of that. So I don't even think it's something that they were putting on. I think that those reactions to what they considered, quote, real celebrities was true. Yeah. And I think so too. It's just, I guess it's more, they have the reaction to these celebrities at certain times as if they're like a family from the Midwest, for example, that just moved out to LA and are now all of a sudden being acclimated with this world. They've been well, well immersed in this world, probably more immersed than any other reality star that we had seen, it was just so much more underrated. You know, when you watch The Housewives and you watch people, you are so aware of the connections that existed that either got them on the show or, you know, allowed for them to have the life that they have. With the Kardashians, I don't, 
of course, there to a certain extent, it was clear because of Rob Kardashian and the OJ trial. But in terms of the connections that they had prior, like Kim was just Paris's assistant. You know what I mean? That's how they made it seem. They didn't delve into the fact that Kim and Nicole Richie had been childhood friends together. It, it, it was very different how it was presented versus how we come to find out it really was, I feel like. No, it's true. It's a really good point. I mean, even think about current day. When Kim is wishing someone a happy birthday on Instagram, nine out of 10 times, the photo she's using is a photo from like 2010 when they're at the club in Vegas. You know, yes, there are some newer relationships like a Natalie or Olivia, but a lot of them are friendships that she has had from a very young age. And that does come from just living in LA and and having that world. You're You're right, though. I think when watching this for the first time, I was not at all as aware of those connections as I am now. You know, it's funny. They're all so the exact same and all so drastically different as they were during these seasons. And it is so crazy to pick up on the things that have stayed so consistent and to pick up on the things that are like, you're a different person. And you know who I was really zoning in on that with? It was Chris this episode more than anybody else for me. Yes, and for me, that was specifically on display in episode eight. Just a brief overview, we're doing seven, eight, nine. We're kind of going to glaze over seven, not that much to get into. The major plots are one, Caitlin feeling as though Kendall and Kylie are bratty teenagers and maybe lacking a little bit of gratitude. And second, Chris having these bladder issues and one, the way that the girls are kind of making fun of her, but really more so the way she ends up monetizing it and getting a deal with this pad company. And I think it's Chloe in that episode that says, listen, one thing about Kris Jenner, you're going to give her a problem and she's going to turn it into a business solution. And yes, in so many ways she's changed, but holy shit, if that is not so consistent with how she is now. And that's exactly to the point of everything about them is so consistent and so different at the same time. And something I was really zoning in on in terms of the difference is just the way that they treat Chris. Chloe and Courtney were so mean to her. Like really, truly throughout this episode, I was actually uncomfortable watching the way that they were acting towards her. And then at the same time, which is something that comes up more in episode eight than this one, I was so zoning in on the difference between Chris and the softness that I find her to have now that she didn't have then. She had such an edge to her then and a business edge to her then that I think overtook her maternal side at times. And I could see the way that Courtney and Chloe were really feeding off of that. Well, there, I mean, the thing is when you really break it down and it's, it's unfair to simplify it to this extent because there are so many factors, but if you were forced to, to me, the biggest difference with Chris in this regard is that, and I said, I think this last week or two weeks ago, she had so much to prove. And so Current day Chris is just as cutthroat, if not more cutthroat. She is just as business focused. She has a lot of money to make, a lot of records to break, but she doesn't have that same need to prove that she knows what she's doing. She has made that abundantly clear, not only to her family, but to the entire world. And I think if I really had to choose the one element that is so different, it's that because she goes through life in a total kick-ass way, but it's without that little edge that to me really could be attributed to how much she felt she still needed to show that she was capable of. No one is doubting her capability now. 
No, it's so true. And there's a clear ease to her now. And I think that when we've had this conversation in the past, we've really attributed it to becoming a grandmother, which I think has softened her a lot. But I do think that the concept of like, she just, even though she works so hard and even though she's constantly in that boss working mode, she doesn't need to work as hard as she did then. Like that, that edge gets to be taken off because it's not like, it's not do or die anymore. Not that it was, but you know what I mean? That's how she approached kind of every situation. And the way that I would describe Chris now is like, undoubtedly, she is the life of the party in every single scenario she's in. Even when she's working her hardest, she's still the life of the party. The difference between that and the episodes that we're watching is, I think people would still have described her as the life of the party then. It was just, she had to turn it on and off. And she was very regimented about when she did that. There was a time for business and there was a time for fun and they never mixed. Now they do nothing but mix. Yeah, she's merged them beautifully, which I think is one of the reasons that her kids take such enjoyment from working with her. But really, you know, if we want to go into episode eight, which, yes, one plot line is Scott and him going to Vegas and kind of Courtney's anxiety around all of that. But second of all, it's Chris feeling as though she is not spending enough time with Kylie and Kendall and she's working so much and focusing so much on business that it's really taking away from her ability to be present with them. And there's a moment where she brings us up to Courtney and Courtney says, yeah, it's true. You were a better mother to me, Kim, Chloe, and Rob than you are to Kylie and Kendall. And Chris is really upset by that. She goes home. She voices her upset about that conversation to Caitlin, to which Caitlin responds, it's true. You were a better mom to them than you are to Kendall and Kylie. And you just watch the way that that whole thing takes place and like how charged of an interaction that is. And even that, you know, there's a lot to analyze there in terms of the differences between now and then. I can't explain to you the way my blood was boiling watching that scene. The thing is, I think that the way that you and I have spoken about Chris and Caitlin's relationship as we've rewatched these episodes is not that we're ever not team Chris, but I think that we've really picked up on the points in which we found that Chris was maybe disrespectful to Caitlyn or a little too hard on Caitlyn or certain things in the imbalance of their relationship. But this scene where Caitlyn says to Chris, yes, you were a better mother to them. The hypocrisy jumped out in a way that I actually don't know how Chris managed to keep her cool during because something that has been very discussed with Caitlyn's kids from her previous two marriages is the way in which Caitlyn was not there for them during their childhood. The fact that Caitlin missed many big life events, missed many big birthdays, and they really struggled with their relationship as a result of that. But to throw it in her face and say that she's not as good of a mother, I, I can't even explain to you how annoyed I was watching this scene. But also because Caitlin was acting as though the thing that was taking Chris away from Kendall and Kylie was something that was entirely self-serving. And that wasn't the case. Not only was she Caitlin's manager, which yes, Caitlin's engagements at that time had maybe decreased and Kim and some of the other family members have increased, but it was focused on the business for her children and for Kendall and Kylie. Even in that moment, if Kendall and Kylie weren't the focus, what she was working to build was an empire so that they would never have to worry about working again. And by the way, it's something she successfully did build. So, you know, it's not even as though Caitlin was entirely wrong. Like when you really break it down, yes, Chris spent a lot more time with the other kids than she was doing at that moment with Kendall and Kylie. But the way that Caitlin said it was just wrapped in so much judgment and such a lack of compassion that I, I found to be really upsetting to watch. 
And I mean, let's call it like it is, though, because it's a huge point. The hypocrisy that we saw Caitlyn exhibit in this scene is no different than the hypocrisy that has kind of become par for the course with Caitlyn now. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because... Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter-looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. I think it was last week when Chloe was having the sex talk with Kendall and Kylie and we were saying, you know, as we're watching this, we're so aware that we will never get this type of content from them again. And I felt that way also in this episode when, you know, Chris is really trying to make an effort with them. And in order to do so, she's asking them, who are your friends? And do you guys have boyfriends? And she's sitting them down with Maddie and Spencer and like trying to talk to them about their social life at school. And it's like, even though on some levels, this was a dramatized plot line. I do think that she was feeling disconnected from them, but the fact that the entire episode centered around it in this type of a way, of course, was for the show. Like their reactions to Chris asking them about having a boyfriend was real. That was like actually their, what, 14 year old, 15 year old reactions. Like I cannot believe we get that filmed. And by the way, don't you remember being that age, like, I don't know, let's say 14, 15 years old, you're at some sort of a family event and a family friend or an aunt or your older cousin starts to ask you about like, so any boys that you like. And I, I, when I think about it now, I can vividly take myself back to that place and have my cheeks start to get a little bit flushed. And like, you know, you get so uncomfortable, but you kind of do want to talk about it because it's all still really exciting. And like, I just, I, it's so crazy seeing that Kendall and Kylie had the exact same experience that we had at that age when asked about a crush. I can't get over it. it it's an out-of-body experience to to realize that the two of them 
at that age are the same people that we're seeing now. In so many ways, though, they are exactly the same. Like the differences in Kendall and Kylie's personality and Kylie so clearly being more of the extroverted one and significantly more outgoing and kind of free spirited and Kendall being a little more introverted and a little bit more shy and, you know, having some of that social anxiety and it being on display that has, you know, maintained itself into current day. It's just of course, the way they present to the world is entirely different, not only because they are so much older, but also they have a confidence now based on who they are and what they've built and what the Kardashian-Jenner family has become that they didn't have then. You know, like there's so many different factors. It's not just the age. Here's my question. And this is is not necessarily Kendall and Kylie specific, but like, do kids not have an awkward phase anymore? Because Kendall and Kylie were like deep in it. Like Kendall and Kylie, who are two of the most like gorgeous, like hottest people now, clearly had an awkward phase. But like kids now, all of these 13-year-olds get ready with me for a bat mitzvah and I keep seeing on TikTok don't have awkward phases. Like where did the art of the awkward phase go? Okay. I think about this. You can't all... answer that, can you? <laughs> Stop. I had an awkward phase. I hate when you say that. I no, you didn't. You just say that because I got my eyebrows waxed earlier than the average kid does. I saw a picture of you at a candle lighting ceremony at your at a bat mitzvah, eleven years old. I've never. You would have thought she was fucking Anastasia Beverly Hills. I was like, fuck this. I did you even have braces? I did. You did. Liar. See, you don't. You don't know these things about me. I did have braces, truly. It was just I don't a, even a short. You. This is like one of my favorite bits that we do because it's <laughs> This is a bit for you? This is trauma for me and this is a bit for you. <laughs> Stop. Okay, going back. I am so glad you brought that up because I'm constantly thinking about this while scrolling TikTok and I really think what it is is yes on some level kids still have awkward stages. I mean, we all know what happens when we're in puberty, but because of the access that they have to TikTok and social media in a way that is very unhealthy, the level to which they are comparing themselves, not only to their peers, but specifically to the older girls, let's say to the 18, to the 19, to the 21-year-old TikTokers, it allowed them to see, I think in their eyes, like what they could look like, what they're striving to look like in a way that has probably shortened the awkward phase because they are so actively taking measures to look like the idealized version of what they want to look like. When we were 13 years old, we saw Jennifer Aniston and Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian and J-Lo in People magazine. We weren't every single day watching these girls that were just a few years older than us and their entire get ready with me's and the way they did their makeup and the way that they showed their glow ups. Like having that unrestricted access to people that are just a little bit older than you is like very dangerous. Like really, really is 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 fucking these kids up in a serious way because I know myself and I admittedly am too vanity conscious at times in a way that I make myself crazy and I was I've always been that way. So myself at 13, if I had those TikToks, it wouldn't be a good situation. I know what I would have been doing to myself internally and in the mirror. Yes, I you know, I think that's a huge part of it obviously. Like that that element of it cannot be ignored and the dangers of that element cannot be ignored, but also at the same time, they also have the access to like the how-tos. Like they have a YouTube video to teach them how to do their makeup or how to do their hair in a certain way or you know, all of these TikTok tutorials. We didn't have the access to that. We were kind of just 
we were just kind of raw dogging it. Like, I don't know. And I think also parents now, which again, I don't know if it's good or bad, but like they're more conscious, I think, of of their kids having an awkward phase. And so like, I think it's just a different also type of of parenting and, and parents giving their kids access to those certain things. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I mean- on one hand, like I think having an awkward phase builds a lot of character. I think allowing kids to be kids is so fucking important. And I think it's an art that's lost at the same time. Like I can't look at my pictures of myself when I was 14, 15 still, and I'm way past my awkward phase. So like, I don't know what the right answer there is. Well, listen, I I think the underlying element here is like, None of us know how we're going to approach it until we ourselves are parents. So we can talk about maybe how we would do it. What's the right thing? You don't know until you're in the situation. It also could be different kid to kid. You know, like you really get to know your child and what may be good for them. I, I personally don't necessarily think there's an issue with maybe granting your kids with some of the things that help them to feel good about themselves. If, you know, of course, there's nothing like seriously altering. We're not talking about Botox at 14 years old, but all right, your kid wants to get a tweezer man tweezer and wants to get two-faced mascara. Like if that's going to help them get through their days, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's more so how do they differentiate between, is this what my child wants because it will make them feel better about themselves? Or is this what my child wants because they are constantly comparing themselves to what they're not? And I don't, you know, it it must be really fucking hard raising kids in the age of social media when you, of course, want to be the the person that helps to uplift them and build their confidence. At the same time, you don't want to feed into the cycle or get them into this cycle where they're making these changes because of comparison. It's really a, a vicious cycle and something that I have a lot of empathy and grace for these parents that are navigating this because I'm terrified and I don't even have kids. Well, because also think about it, like we are in our late 20s and I don't think that we've necessarily figured out how to approach life without fully comparing. And so I know that I could have a kid tomorrow and like I I wouldn't be out of a phase where like I'm necessarily com- stopping comparing myself. It's a, it's a conscious thought process that I have and I have to consciously stop myself from doing it, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And so, I, I, it, you know, it's hard to navigate being a kid and comparing yourself. And I think it's a more formidable age. And, and it's, it's so important that like, we are acknowledging that fact, but also like, it's really difficult, I'm sure to be raising kids when you're still doing that yourself to a certain extent. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, I think about that constantly. I think one of my biggest goals in life when it comes to having kids is to not allow any of my personal insecurities to then be things that they not only pick up on, but then feed into them. Like I, we spoke about this before, the idea of not having a negative reaction to, let's say the number on the scale and then showing your your kids what that looks like, or, you know, talking negatively about yourself in the mirror with your kid nearby and then them learning that behavior. Like I consciously think about these things that I don't want to do to my kid because I I know they're going to have insecurities. Everyone does. But I, as much as possible, want, want to make sure that those are not things that I am instilling on them even subconsciously. Just like, how the fuck are you supposed to be a parent now? I'm so excited for it, but I'm also so terrified by it. Yeah, it's it's a terrifying thought. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, neither of us are parents, so it's also really additionally more difficult to say. But I I do feel like um, we consume a lot of content of parents and of kids with the way that social media is. And like, you know, kids are on YouTube, kids are on Instagram, kids are on TikTok. You're seeing a lot about the way that kids are growing up. At the same time, we're also seeing 
the other side of it, which is the parents that are on TikTok, the parents that are on Twitter, the parents that are on Instagram, sharing their sides of things. So I do think that even though neither of us are in that position, we do have a pretty good view as to both sides of it. And yeah, it seems really good. Like it's really fucking hard. Yeah, really hard. And if we want to make it Kardashian specific for a second, you have all of that. And then your kid has a magnifying glass on them because you are one of the most famous families in the entire world. And from the time your kids were born, the world felt as though they knew them. Like, holy shit. I don't I don't envy that position for one second. Me either. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today.
the other plotline of episode eight is really centered around Scott. And, you know, he's going back to Vegas for this work engagement. Courtney is understandably really nervous about it. We know it went down the last time he was in Vegas. Up until this point, he's maintained his sobriety. It's something that Courtney, I think, derives a lot of comfort from. And she's nervous. She's nervous about the situation. And he goes, everything is okay. He does drink, but it doesn't get out of hand. There's a little bit of ambiguity there because when she asks if everything was okay, he says yes. He doesn't explicitly mention the drinking. We can get into a conversation about that. I, I think it's a little bit up to interpretation. But honestly, my biggest takeaway from this is watching Courtney in this episode and the palpable anxiety she was feeling, there is just no way she will ever put herself in a relationship again where she feels that. Like I, I could feel her wanting to almost crawl out of her skin. You know, I was actually caught off guard by the reaction that I had to seeing Courtney and how anxiety-filled she was about Scott going to Vegas because I was like, I cannot believe that this is your partner at this time. I can't believe that you, the Courtney that we know today, is in a relationship with somebody who would give her this much anxiety. And it just goes to show like when she talks about the relationship that she has with Travis and how it is another world that she didn't even know that she could have, this is what she's talking about. I don't think she fully recognized how abnormal and not okay what she was feeling in this moment was. And the fact that Scott allowed her to feel this in this moment, how not okay that was. And I, I don't know why I was so surprised seeing her go through this because with their relationship, this level of anxiety and worry and Scott going to Vegas and Courtney, you know, not necessarily knowing exactly what's going on with him is about to become a constant. Well, but the other thing that I was so aware of is like, because of the way that it was all set up, not just on the show, but also kind of the pattern of their relationship and what it turned into, it always made Courtney looked like the bad guy. You know, it put her in a position where no matter what, even if what she was saying resonated with you, she still came across kind of constantly nagging. And then that itself turned into a narrative. And when you really break it down, and and I don't think this is a view we could have had at the time necessarily, but looking back at it, that was just coming from a place of one anxiety, but also her just wanting to feel fully settled and fully safe in this relationship that she was unable to feel that way about because of the inconsistencies of her partner. Yet it all got twisted around as though she was the bad guy for not fully trusting him, for not being able to fully relax. But it was a self-protection mechanism because every time she had relaxed, she'd gotten burned. Well, okay. Yes. So at the end of the episode, Scott comes back from Vegas and says to Courtney you know, don't you think you owe me an apology? Like I went to Vegas, everything was fine and you were worried for nothing, which in, in what happened, yes, like nothing got out of hand. Scott didn't do anything that we were used to seeing him do, especially the last time he was in Vegas with the waiter's mouth. However, Scott still drank while he was there. And before Scott leaves for Vegas and Courtney is very anxious about him going, she says to him, have you been thinking about drinking? And Scott says no. And so I believe, again, it's it's a little bit open to interpretation and we're not 100% sure where he was at with his sobriety at the time, but it does seem like he was 100% sober going into this trip. And so when he gets back and he says to Courtney, don't you think you owe me an apology? I would, I, you know, I was perfectly behaved. To Courtney, I have to imagine that that meant I was sober the entire time that I was there. It really is up to interpretation. I think we had a little bit of a different view on it, which 
honestly, if I rewatched, I think I would align more with your thinking because you're right. I it, it does feel as though he was concealing the truth and she wasn't just asking was everything okay she was asking did you drink but because he she didn't explicitly say it he was able to kind of get out of it i i I don't know exactly where i land on that but either way like even if we don't want to break down scientifically exactly what she was referring to there was a deep level of discomfort that she was feeling pretty much at all times well okay this is a really important question because i'm curious about your interpretation of this in the scene where Courtney stays at Chloe's house because she is so anxious to be alone without Scott in the house that she brings Mason to Chloe's to sleep there. She is sitting with Chloe and so anxious that Scott hasn't called her or checked in. In that moment, did you interpret that as she's so anxious and she wants to hear from him to make sure that his behavior is okay in terms of not you know, doing the things that he had done in Vegas in the past, such as shoving the money in the waiter's mouth or just acting completely out of hand or was that a specific anxiety that she felt of I am scared that he's cheating on me while he's there amazing fucking question I personally did not think that it was cheating specific necessarily however I certainly think cheating was included in the general umbrella of fears that she had it really more so fell under you know things Scott does when he gets drunk and out of control cheating could be one of those being super disrespectful to the people around him, very ostentatious displays of wealth, aggression, anger, potentially physical fights. I think cheating was just one of those elements, but I did not think that it was cheating specific or cheating prioritized. What did you think? I I thought it was cheating specific. I, I was watching her and I was like, this is an anxiety that is um, that can only be calmed by by a call that lets her know that he's not with anybody else. To me, it was a level of anxiety that I felt so deeply associated with the potential for cheating. The other stuff, I kind of had the the reverse to what you had, like all of the other stuff could play into that under the umbrella of like not trusting, but that deep unsettling anxiety where she couldn't even go to sleep until she heard from him. To me, that was cheating specific. You know, honestly, if I wasn't given the choice and I said it had to be one or the other, I think you're probably right. Like if you were to ask her, even if she didn't want to admit it then, but if you were to ask her looking back, she would probably say that it was more cheating dominated. I just had in my head, you know, those things that took place in Vegas the last time had nothing to do with cheating. There was no infidelity there. But the even act of shoving the money into the waiter's mouth and just the way that he was behaving, that was also traumatic. So I don't think it was just the cheating because Okay, let's say she heard from his friend and he's like, I'm with him. You know, none of that is going on, but he is out of control and he just got into a major fucking fight with with the staff here. I think that would have sent a similar chill down her spine. Not the same. You're right. Maybe that was the reaction of a person who feels as though their partner is being unfaithful. But like it wasn't just that, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think it was just that. I just think it was dominated by that. But I will tell you that at the time that I watched that episode, that would have never crossed my mind in terms of it being cheating focused. And if we didn't know the cheating that would eventually take place, that was admitted by both of them, I don't think I would have thought that. But because I was so aware of the fact that Scott had cheated on her in the past, I was really, really focused on Courtney's reaction and Courtney's anxiety and felt that like 
that anxiety was so specific. I get it. I And I honestly, if I had to choose again, I think you're probably right. Which like, again, what a shitty way to feel. You know, it's just, that is not what you sign up for in a relationship. When you go into a relationship, you want that comfort. You want that safety. You want that inexplicable feeling that you simply do not have with anyone else because this is the person that that you trust the most. And to not have that in such a severe way, yeah, that's going to fuck up a person. Like, no wonder she went through what she went through. Absolutely. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Okay, episode nine. First of all, forget about the plot line where Scott is playing this prank on Chris that he's going to take over managing Kendall and Kylie. It was so full of shit and we have more important things to get into. Like, number one, Kim being kicked off the stage by Prince and kind of the spiral she went into afterwards. And second of all, this Sears meeting where Kim is really experiencing a fear that Chloe and Courtney are not experiencing at all. And just the way that that whole thing was set up was wild. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. Like, I'm like, who, I'm watching this episode. I'm like, who are you? And the thing is, it wasn't just about the difference in Kim then and Kim now in terms of her feeling so much more confident and her ability to command a room now and how she wouldn't question herself. You know, forget about that for a second. If you just want to look at it between her and Chloe and Courtney, I think that if they were to do that same Sears presentation nowadays, both of them would derive so much comfort from being there with Kim and Kim leading the show. Whereas here it was like this, you know, baseline understanding that of course Kim's going to be the scared one. And of course, Courtney and Chloe are going to take the reins. 
That would never happen now. The whole thing was just, it was just wild. And it it had to have been dramatized. That Sears meeting, I'm sorry, there's no way that that's actually how it went down. The Kim that we know, even then, did not freeze up on a panel answering questions about her own brand. I, I, I just refuse to believe that. But Kim also says in the episode, you know, because the whole plot line throughout it is, um, you know, the fact that she really is shy and she does have stage fright and the dancing thing is more than just like not liking dancing. It's really just like this debilitating fear of not being perfect 100% of the time and, and not embarrassing herself in any way, shape or form. But she says like, you know, people would be so shocked to find out that what I feel on the inside and who I am in the inside is nowhere close to what I'm presenting to the public. The biggest difference now is that that is undoubtedly not true. Like the Kim today that you see to the public is the Kim that we know her on the inside to be. Okay. Yes. One million percent. And I think what's so powerful about that is that she's turned being herself and aspects of herself that were formerly made fun of into her brand and the thing that, you know, people idolize her for. But side note for a second, I don't know if you're going to agree with this or if anyone else will. When she was saying the thing about how she just is so afraid of kind of being embarrassed, I think a little bit of that came from Paris because in a lot of ways she learned how to be famous from watching Paris and the way that Paris interacted with the media and with the world and with her fans. But uh, something I really learned about Paris from consuming her content, both her documentary and Paris in Love is she never wants to be embarrassed. She always wants to put on this persona as though like she's got it. I remember there was that one episode, I think it was Paris in Love, where she was performing maybe at her husband Carter's brother's wedding or something. And there was an issue with the DJ set. And like her biggest thing was like, I don't want to look stupid. I just don't want to look stupid. And that's how she's always been. And I'm not saying that that's like a, a experience that's limited to just Paris. I don't think she's unique in that. But the way that Kim was talking, it was so reminiscent of the way that Paris spoke. And I wondered if any of that was something that she got from spending so much time with her. Oh, that's so interesting. I don't know. I I really, I don't know enough about um, Paris in that regard to be able to say one way or another, but I do think it's an excellent point and probably does have a lot to do with it because Kim did learn a lot about being famous from Paris. And so I think that one of the ways that Kim operates as a perfectionist, which is something that has been really spoken about, not just in this episode, but in a lot of the past episodes, is that like she approaches things and like does them as she thinks they're meant to be done. And so if she can't do something as it's meant to be done, she doesn't want to do it. And that's where the dancing thing comes into play, where it's like, I'm not a good dancer, therefore I don't even want to do it because like I can't be the best at it. And so if that is how Paris approaches situations, it would not be surprising to me at all that that's how Kim then in turn approached things herself. Right. Like, I I don't know if there's any correlation there. I think Kim would probably feel that way to an extent herself because she has always been image conscious in that way. And I don't, I don't just mean, you know, physically or or from a vanity perspective, but I, I just wondered if that, you know, played into it at all. I mean, that's the Prince thing though. Like she was, she wasn't even mad that it it happened or that it was her inability to dance that led that situation to happen. She was more so just embarrassed by the spectacle of it, you know. Like that was something that really dominated the way that she approached things. And I think, uh, listen, obviously a million things have happened from now until then that have 
change that. But I honestly think part of the situation with Kanye and how it got to the point where it was totally out of her hands, there was nothing that she could do to control the way that he was going to act, the things about the family that he was going to bring up. Like, I think that situation probably forced her to a level that she's not even fully comfortable with to like really not give a fuck because she couldn't control it anymore. I mean, one of the biggest things with Kim is that she has found this ability to just let loose. And, and you know, there's a scene where she takes the dance class because she's like, well, if I'm ever in a situation like I was on stage with Prince, I want to know how to dance. It's They're not comparable. Like the ability to dance on stage and have fun is not something you're going to learn from a dance class. It comes from, you know, an inner confidence of just being able to move and, and, and do what you're going to do and not care what anybody else thinks. But again, it, it goes back to that point of like, being rigid and kind of operating within confines. But the difference between Kim then and Kim now is that we see a much looser version of Kim. She knows how to let loose. You see that in North's TikToks. You see that in the way that, you know, she approaches different things. It's bullshit to say that Kim doesn't dance. We see Kim dancing now. We see her moving in, you know, the background of a of an Insta story from a party or in her Insta story or in, in, in you know, Chloe's. It's totally different. But it's similar to what we were saying about Chris, where Chris has also found the ability to let loose you know, business isn't as rigid. It's not, there's a time for pleasure and there's a time for business. She's combined the both. And we've seen them both kind of, as they've gotten more famous and as there's been less things to worry about on their plate in terms of growing the empire and growing the business, they've been able to lean into that more. Yeah. And I think that it's something that has probably made them far more fun to be around. You know, think about one of the biggest sources of frustration between you know, Kim, Courtney, and Chloe was her inability to let loose. And like, that's changed so much. I'm sorry. As a total side, you need to see I know. JLo's tattoo. Is that what you, did you know I was going to say that? I knew you were going to say it because I sent it to you and you said, OMG, while we were recording, but I, I can't get over this. Like, wait. Oh my God. Okay. So is slide three, by the way, for his. anyone confused, we'll put the link in the description. Slide one obviously is her and then slide three is his tattoo. Oh my, I'm sorry. I have to say it. I have to say it. I'm sorry. This tattoo is so chuggy. I know. Why? I'm so confused. This feels so like below her. I mean, not not to get a tattoo, just th- this particular one. I'm kind of shocked. Wait, I like, okay, obviously same. Like I'm, I'm not into this particular thing, but the photos of them go to like the one of the last slides where she's in the yellow bikini and he's like grabbing her ass on the boat. Like I love them together. And no, I don't care I'm, who I, the fuck I knows do too. it. And the, the old pictures of them, like I can't get enough of it. It's just like I really do love them as a couple and I'm so into them, especially aesthetically. But they just have these moments where they like catch me off guard a little bit. But like, <laughs> wait, hold on. Commitment. Happy Valentine's Day, my love. Parentheses. Look for more deets on V Day coming on hashtag on the J Lo soon. Hashtag commitment is sexy. Hashtag this is us then. Hashtag this is us now. Hashtag this is me now. That's where she loses me. I'm like, I am so on board. I am embarrassingly on board with your relationship. But then you got to throw in the hashtags and the teasing more content for the newsletter. Like, you are above this. You are Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. Do you realize the power you could have? Slash, you do have? I'd- M, it, it it baffles me. You're right. That's what it is. It's like if I cover up the caption and I'm just looking at the pictures, tattoo on a side, I'm more on board than a person could be. If I cover up the pictures and I'm just looking at the caption, I'm like a little nauseous. So right. combine the two, and it's a confusing, it's a confusing feeling. It's a confusing feeling, and I that's what I want. I like would love to say that to her honestly, and in, in pretty much those exact terms, like. 
we ride for you in a serious way. And don't get me wrong. I agree with you. And you say this is the love of your life. And I very much believe you are in it for the long haul. However, what is going on with some of the aspects of the social presentation? Like, please, like, dear God, like, J-Lo, if you're listening, like, I'm, I'm, first of all, if this comes across as, like, a little hurtful, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it that way. But, like, please, please let me take over your social media. I'm begging you. I'll tell you one thing right the fuck now. Say everything we just said. If he were to have reactivated his Insta and he commented on that, we would post that shit so fast, Julie. But I'll tell you one thing. We wouldn't post it with caption. I was going to say, you you would be cutting the caption out. This is a really funny thing that people I don't think know about. When we're formatting comments, I feel a lot of times celebrities are not so great at captions, which is fine. Captions are really hard. Every time you go to post an Instagram, like, like as a regular person, caption is always the worst part. But I, I think that a lot of times celebrities really, really do a terrible job with their captions. And so like I always, if we can, will cut out the caption. And there will be times where I was like, it, 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 you need it. It doesn't make sense without it. I'm like, please, it just makes them seem so lame. Like I'm doing them such a favor by only including the comment. She's like, the comment doesn't make sense without the caption. <laughs> it's never that I disagree with your logic in that it is many times cringy. And if I were just choosing it from aesthetic purposes, I would agree no caption. But you have to realize that like most people that are viewing our posts, they didn't see the original post. You know what I mean? Like we can't just cut the bullshit because people sometimes need that to understand what's going on. I so get your frustration though. I, I And I know you know that I do. Oh my God, of course. I also like sometimes we'll just cut the caption for no reason. Like it's, it could be a totally neutral caption, like not bad, just like fine. And I'll like still for some reason want to cut it. I don't know. But like, you know what? If I've kept your caption in and it doesn't necessarily need it, just know that's because your caption excelled. Give your social media manager a raise in that case. And JLo, hire one. Oh God. Anything else that you would like to mention? That's all, kid. Well, tell you guys one thing. Bora Bora coming up. Cannot wait. I think those are probably going to be our our next uh, next week's recap, right? Yes, and I am so 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 excited. Me too, especially because we don't watch these episodes in advance. Like technically, we could do bulk recording, but we purposely choose not to to kind of have more of a live reaction. So stay tuned for that one. <laughs> wow, this episode really went on some tangents, huh? Yeah, I don't even know what just happened, but I love you and we love you guys and we will be back later this week as well and I for Bravo and then we'll see you next week. On Tuesday though, not Monday. Podcast Network is closed Monday, so we will see you on Tuesday for the regular episode.